What is going on? Questioning marks. We're coming at you midweek with another pick of the week series that our boy Jared is going to bring to you today. But we have a little bit of elimination chamber talk to uh, get out there. You know, there's a lot of stuff that went down. So I just want to say, what up, Jared? What up, Ab- Adam, man? What are you guys doing? What's what up, guys? Outback? I think you said, what up, Outback? But I'll be Outback for today. Yeah, my bad. Okay. I had a little yeah. fucking uh, tongue no, twister. It's yeah. all good. I'm, I'm starving. To... <laughs> <laughs> Give me a blooming onion. <laughs> well, we're going to keep you hungry with all the wrestling talk tonight, right? we got a lot of good uh, stuff to get through. Yeah, I hope so. What's up, bro? And uh, let's uh, kind of just start with the Elimination Chamber talk. You know, we have our little question mark uh, system over here. Out of five question marks, we will be going through each match just through the pay-per-views, you know? Fucking go out there and see what you guys think. If you guys don't like our rating system, well, then I don't know what to tell you. But we are going to start off with the SmackDown Elimination Chamber match. And, uh, you know, this match consisted of some of the top-tier wrestlers that are on SmackDown, uh, whether you like it or not. Cesaro, Daniel Bryan, we had uh, Baron Corbin, Jey Uso, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. Uh, there was a lot going on here. So, uh, you know, I thought the match itself uh, spoke very well. There was a great story being told throughout of it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not big on Elimination Chamber matches to begin with for some reason. I just feel like they, they, they kind of all hit the same spots all the time. You're always waiting for someone to go through a uh, plastic door on the in the in the pod or, you know, someone hanging off of a higher point. I, like, you know, I feel like the match kind of, gets boring at sometimes, but I, I think this one kind of gripped me, man. It was, uh, it was pretty good. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, I, uh, the match itself, I, 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 I tend to like, um, gimmick matches, you know, in itself. Um, so I think all, all the elimination chambers are entertaining. Um, some obviously better than others. And, I, I thought this one was entertaining. My problem is with a match where you just we went into it um, thinking that you know the champions were unbeatable, which they we turned out to be you know true for the most part within those matches. So that's my uh, problem with you know the booking of the match, the booking of the talent, you know more so because we knew the champions were going to come out on top at the end. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. Uh, Adam, what did you feel about this match? Did you uh, tend to like it? Do you like Elimination Chamber matches? Uh, Are they something that gets you going? (laughs) Well, you know, to your point, I mean, if people aren't happy with our questioning mark rating, they could always hit us back with an exclamation point. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, 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 it might have just made a trademark there for the show. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> um, but you know, well, a couple things. Number one, what made this interesting was the opening dynamic even before the match, you know, with Keith Lee being unable to perform due to injury. So you had Morrison come in, right? So that in and of itself, that fatal four-way to kick off the show, there were a, a number of changes that, that uh, went through this card sort of last minute. So um, part of it, too, is COVID, and we've talked about that before and how that adds a certain dynamic. Um, I think overall, what I like about the format of the elimination chamber is it allows each person to get their shine, get their moment in the match, and and show what makes them, uh, you know, good or in some cases great. And in this particular match, guys like Cesaro, who I've always been high on for his athleticism, um, you know, Daniel Bryan, uh, you know, pe- people like that. That's why I liked it. Um, 
we were making our predictions, of course, as we went along, and I, I got this sense that certain guys weren't going to win, and certain ones were, or, or we're going to, you know, we're going to get eliminated first or last. So it's, it's kind of fun to kind of play that as you as you go along. Um, and then the last thing that I'll say is that as a concept, and I brought this up to you guys before the show, um, the the second coming of ECW for for you marks out there that are ECW fans, when ECW came back in 2006, they had a pay per view called the December to Dismember, and um, that was actually one of Punk's first CM Punk's first uh, major appearances on on a pay per view. Um, if not, actually might might have actually been his first, and it was a similar concept. So um, in a way that this kind of um, this concept has always been there. It kind of adds that hardcore element um, back into WWE. So um, overall, I you know I enjoyed I enjoyed this match and I enjoyed most of the matches on the card. All right. So with that being said, I think we could just go with our question mark rating system. I'm giving it a three and a half question marks uh, for myself. What about you, Jared? Uh, I'm going to give it three questioning marks. Three questioning marks. Here we go. And we have Adam. What about you? Can we do halves? Because I'm going to give three. Yeah, of course. I'll give three and a half questioning marks. How about that? All right, good. I, I gave three and a half, so you weren't listening to me, so fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> An exclamation point on that one. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, the stipulation with this match, guys, was that Roman Reigns was fighting the winner of this match, and Daniel Bryan was the winner, which was very surprising. I thought I was very happy to see that. Uh, we all kind of thought Jey Uso was going to win. Jared had a really good prediction with uh, Jey Uso winning and then him kind of just laying down. Uh, but maybe it was too predictable. I don't know. I thought that, I, I thought that would have been pretty cool, though. But uh, Daniel Bryan did win, and Roman Reigns came out. Um, he was pretty much able to take control of the match. There was a few parts of it that, you know, uh, he wasn't able to. But, um, you know, he pretty much just was able to, you know, manhandle Daniel Bryan to just retain the belt. And I thought that was just the story. I thought it was, I thought it was cool when uh- – Daniel Bryan immediately got him in the uh, yeah sim- in that submission hold or his finisher. I'm not I'm not sure what you know what it's called, but uh, yeah, it's like a crippler crossface type of submission. Si- also similar to Cena's STFU. Um, yes. So, um, I-, I did like that little you know like the little oh my god moment for a second. Like, is this going to happen? But nah, it's not going to happen to you know with Daniel Bryan. So. Just, just want to just want to clarify uh, the marks out there. It's the label lock that he's been oh, doing. Oh, nice. Long time. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you, Adam. He's like, I never, thank you. I never even heard of that actually. Yeah, he's since he since he's and that's another thing too is I mean he's been around. Let's not forget for, if you if you really want to go back, you've got the indies, but his WWE you know runs have been since about 2010 or so. Um, so it's almost you know 10 plus years that he's been around. Yeah, he yeah. just doesn't he just doesn't do it for me personally, but we won't go there. <laughs> so uh for this i I, th- I thought it was good i gave it you know another it's like three 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 questioning marks for me it was it was predictable but it was entertaining yeah, yeah i'll give it i'll give it two and a half question marks too 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 predictable in my opinion and that's what uh that's what sometimes ruins a match for me when i'm able to pinpoint you know every you know little detail in the match so uh yeah two and a half question marks 
All right. I'm, I'm going to give it a, yeah, I'm going to give it a three just on the, based on the sheer fact that um, even though we knew how it ended, we liked to see Edge come out and give the spear, and then that sets us up for WrestleMania nicely. So, you know, they 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 hit the right spots at that point. So, I'm going to give. Yeah, it a that was awesome. I I thought that was cool too. You know, throughout our past uh, few podcasts, we've been discussing like where Edge was going to be choosing. We thought NXT would have been really cool. Um, but he has chosen WrestleMania uh, to take on Roman Reigns. I believe Jared had also stated that it is a very believable match. He also did, did call that uh, Edge would win uh, the title there. So we will constantly bring that up because we call all the fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, so, to, yeah. listen, to, to, me, to me, the Roman storyline needs a little bit of a new wrinkle in it. That, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. It's getting it's getting very uh, redundant some of the stuff, uh, but you know, I think with uh, Heyman at the helm, uh, we're in good hands. So, um, speaking of good hands, we have the U.S. title match that uh, took place directly after Bobby Lashley uh, being the title holder versus uh, our boy the Bro Riddle and uh, John Morrison. So this was a three-way match for the title. I thought it was a great match. Us being huge uh, Matt Riddle fans, me me personally, uh, and being able to show you guys him before he entered into the uh, NXT realm uh, is is pretty awesome because I know that you guys kind of jumped on his bandwagon really early too. So I think it was awesome to see him win a title. The match itself, I felt, uh, you know, was good. It wasn't the greatest match I've seen Matt Riddle in. I've seen him in amazing matches uh, between NXT and the indie scene. So uh, I gave it um, probably around also three questioning marks uh, for me. But how did you guys like the match? I uh, I think uh, I'll, give, I'll go three and a half questioning marks here just based on, um, you know, Riddle winning and – Lashley not getting pinned, so he doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't look bad. Um, yeah, I'll go three and a half. Entertaining match and great ending with our boy Riddle, who I, I must say, um, to anyone who's just into the big, you know, you know, the big uh, federations, you know, AEW and you know, WWE, it is nice to finally, you know, see what Matt's talking about all these weeks where, you know, a guy that we watched, you know, not in WWE, not in NXT, you know, in the indies come up and now, you know, be, you know, a, a, a big time champion in WWE is, is, is real cool. I, I must admit. Ah, awesome. I'm, I'm going to actually agree with Jared on the three and a half questioning marks. Like, uh, in large part because of everything he just covered. I think if you factor in, and it's an interesting debate, you know, when you make a ranking system, are you going to factor in the kind of storyline and outside dynamics into the ranking in addition to, you know, the match itself? And I think, again, because it's somebody that we were all high on, you know, we like the look of the belt, we like the look of Riddle in the ring, his ability, his, you know, his whole personality, uh, his finishing move, the bro Derek, you know, I think is, is, is a great move. So um, everything from from his entrance into the into the ring with the flops just flying and the pyro going off, I, I'm act, I'm adding all that in, in in my rating there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I totally agree, Adam. Uh, he's just to me, he's got the look, you know, like you said, and he's he's great on the mic, and 
it's amazing just to see a guy who had trouble in the locker room early on also, like we mentioned last week, you know, with Goldberg, with Lesnar. To, yeah. th- that's how much talent this guy has, the immense amount of talent and Mike skills that he has rebounded from, you know, getting off on a couple bad feet with, you know, big-time WWE, you know, legends. Yeah, man, it's – uh. You know, I think Adam brought it up too. He has a rough past with the UFC in regards to his behavior and, I guess, matureness. But, you know, he he, he definitely must have done something right because they strapped him with the belt. It's not the best belt to have in uh, the WWE, but it's one that um, hopefully he can make, uh, you know, rise rise back to that greatness. I feel like it once was the U.S. title. And he hey, can put bro, on some really I, great I got, matches. I got only one thing to say to that. And that's cannabis is as American as apple pie, my brother. <laughs> sure is. I'd have to agree there. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree as well. Um, so this match was great. Awesome. Very happy for Matt Riddle. Uh, next, we had the Raw. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It was the SmackDown uh, Tag Champions, right? Am I wrong there? Yeah, you uh, so uh, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler defended against Charlotte and mm-hmm. Asuka. Yes, and this match, um, I felt, <clears throat> uh, unfortunately, uh, for me, I have very high expectations for the women's matches in WWE to the point where, um, you know, it doesn't bother me if they were to headline a match, and it shouldn't bother anybody anyway, but. Um, you know, I'm not used to seeing high caliber wrestling uh, compared to, you know, like, you know, the women's divisions and uh, WWE absolutely has it on lock. But I thought this match itself uh, just wasn't up to par with what I normally see. Uh, so for me, it was like a one and a half questioning mark match for me. And I'm going to have to say here that um – Besides Nia Jax, who's a terrible wrestler, <laughs> and she injures a lot of people, yeah. um, Baszler, Flair, and Oscar are three of the best singles competitors that they have. And I think that these women are better suited, you know, being singles competitors. Uh, and I think you're, you know, obviously, I think we're going to eventually see that, um, you know, come to fruition in um, on both ends. So, um, just to clarify, though, this so this was Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, the, the SmackDown Tag Champs, against uh, Banks and Belair, right? Oh, Banks and Belair. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Right? No, no, no. yeah, because I think I know that there were some card changes too. We could get to that in a minute too, with with the Oscar match being oh, canceled. Yes, it was, but it was. but um, yeah, um, first Banks and Belair, correct? Um, so. Still an amazing singles wrestler, Belair. Yeah, yeah the, the, still the, that goes that goes for the same. Uh, all these women belong being singles wrestlers, and and, and just for and Adam, just for the record, the, the women's champ uh, tag belts are defended on both uh, both shows. Right, mm. all three shows actually. That's right. cool. Yep, the, interesting the cross brand uh, promotion there. Um, I'm going to give this. Anyway, I'm, I'm debating between two to two and a half stars, and I think you guys covered the main points. The, the only thing I would add is from a tag team sort of dynamic standpoint, I feel like the size differential between Jax and Baszler, I, I'm you know thinking back to like, you know, male versus female tag teams and like, norm, you know, when you have a real solidified tag team, the guys are usually 
it's almost like a thing one thing two. like you almost see them as i don't want to say identical but like they complement each other and when you have you know someone as big as nia jackson someone smaller but i mean albeit still very much credible in the ring as someone who's an mma competitor in in Shayna baszler um i just i don't see them driving together as as a, as a as a tag and that's why i agree with you guys that they should all you know they all compete best as singles well, I don't know if you saw them on uh, the Ding Dong show with Bailey on SmackDown, but th- when they come through that, you know, the door that's in the middle of the ring for the show, they were trying to get through it together, and that basically, you know, they kept getting stuck, and they wouldn't let one another, they wouldn't let one another go first. So that basically sums up their their you know tag team as a whole because they they have had issues in the past and they don't get along. And that was the downfall the first time they lost the titles um, to Oscar and Charlotte. And it, it's going to be the downfall to whomever they lose it to, uh, you know, whenever they drop the, the belts. Mm. One way or the other, Nia Jax's hole will get in the way. <laughs> that, that'll be Adam's classic line every week now. <laughs> and I got to get it as a soundbite. Um All right, and then that match brought us right into the final match of the evening, which was the Raw Elimination Chamber match. It was for the WWE Championship. We have Drew McIntyre as the champion uh, going up against AJ Styles, Sheamus, Kofi Kingston, uh, Jeff Hardy, and Randy Orton. And uh, I believe Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton were the ones to start out um, in this match. Um, I thought it was uh, a really great match as well. Um, once again, the Elimination Chamber match sometimes uh, doesn't do it for me, uh, and I and 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 I have to say I agree with Jared. I'm very into the gimmicky matches. Like I'm I'm very giddy for uh, what's coming up in AEW in a few weeks. But um, we have uh, you know a lot of great wrestles in this ring. There was a great story being told already between uh, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. Um, you know, Kofi Kingston kind of just got added into this match. So there wasn't really a big, uh, storyline going on between him, but he knows how to carry on a match. So, uh, I wasn't, uh, totally upset that he was in there. Um, you know, Drew McIntyre, great wrestler that he is, uh, obviously AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, all wrestles at the top of their game and, uh, all former WWE champions as well. Yes, so you had a ring full of uh, really great, talented guys. Uh, I uh, I gave this match uh, four and a half questioning marks. It was it was very good. Um, the 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 story that was told was great, and and Miz coming out at the end and uh, capitalizing with uh, you know after Bobby Lashley came out and destroyed Drew McIntyre after he won, uh, Miz coming out. Uh, you know we're all big fans of Miz here, especially Jared in regards to the uh, MTV. The challenge. Show that you watch all the time. The challenge. Yeah, the challenge. So, uh, you know, coming out and seeing him win was pretty awesome. So, uh, like I said, I gave it four and a half questioning marks. What do you guys uh, think? I actually have to agree, Matt. Four and a half questioning marks for me also. Um, and it's close to a five if I just had to rate the ending because I'm going to go into that real quick. You know, I know we're, uh, you know, we're strapped for a little time here, but uh, – the great match, like Matt said, great storytelling, all former champions, all guys who are great performers inside the ring and are able to put on a, a great match, you know, whether it's an elimination chamber, a gimmick match, whatever it may be. These guys are all true professionals and former champions. But uh, the ending, Lashley coming down, which opens up a new door for him and destroying uh, McIntyre. 
And then Niz uh, finally cashing in the money in the bank. And if you've listened to our previous episodes, I think that we're all in agreement, and I can speak for the three of us that WWE kind of needed to do this with Miz and the money in the bank. The way they made a mockery of this briefcase over the last year, um, the way they started with the money in the you know with the money in the bank pay per view, where it was a climb up the corporate towers and. It's just they needed to make Miz the champion. He was becoming a running joke, and the Money in the Bank briefcase was becoming a running joke, and they needed to solidify the greatness of that pay-per-view and the relevance of that briefcase um, for further years. So I think they hit a whole a grand slam, uh, bottom of the ninth, walk-off homer to you know win the world to basically win the World Series with that ending. Um, and I'm excited to see now where the the storyline goes as you always do with a, a brand new champion. Even though McIntyre was a great champion, um, I always like some change. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. Uh, Adam, how, how did you like this match? Yeah, I think change is definitely a good thing, especially in this dynamic age of res- professional wrestling. I would, you know, to give something five out of five questioning marks, it would have to be like, as Miz would say, awesome. And this was maybe as close as you could get. So I'm going to stick with my, my uh, take of four and a half uh, questioning marks. I think you guys covered all the main points. I would just add that not only did you have everybody, uh, all the competitors being former uh, world heavyweight champions, but they each brought a unique style. I mean, there were guys obviously that we knew that weren't going to win that I was just have always been you know, historically fans of like like Jeff Hardy um, and AJ Styles, um, but then you you know you've got um, you know McIntyre and Miz. so everybody kind of brought a different dynamic to the match. Um, Miz has been champion world champion before, although it was a long time ago. So I'm happy to see him get it again. And the other thing is the progression of him. Uh, he's kind of gone up and down throughout his career. Uh, for those of you that have followed him when he first broke in with the, the second coming of ECW back in 06, Miz and Morrison were a tag team. You know, Miz was walking around with the uh, the Broadway hat. Even before that, he was doing the Diva search. You know, he was kind of just sort of on the outs, became champion, then back on the outs again. So it's kind of almost like he's coming full circle, and I'm really happy to see it. And uh, as he always says, he came to play, and boy, did he ever, to, uh, to cash in the money in the bank. Yeah, man, I definitely uh, agree. It was it was an awesome moment to see him come cash it in. Uh, I felt that uh, the WWE did something right here. Let's hope that Miz uh, can carry this belt the way that we uh, hope he can. And uh, I think now that we are done with reviewing the Elimination Chamber, we are going to get into our second series uh, that we have going on on the podcast here. It's called the questioning marks pick of the week. This is our episode number two or version number two of it. I should say, uh, sometimes you'll hear it by itself or after a pay-per-view when we reveal, you'll hear it right after that, which is what we're doing right now. Uh, Jared is going to discuss his pick of the week in terms of what type of wrestling we should watch, uh, in regards to that's not in-ring wrestling, right? So a documentary, a movie, uh, it could be um, an interview, anything of the sort that uh, you feel like the wrestling fans out there would mark out for. So I'm going to let Jared take it away. And uh, I think Adam and I will uh, bounce in uh, here and there to uh, you know, kind of have our take on uh, what Jared is saying. 
So uh, my pick of the week, fellas, is uh, the Yokozuna doc on the WWE uh, network. Um, So basically the three of us, you know, if you're in in our age range, you know, you know, you know, low to to mid thirties, Yokozuna was a big part of our childhood and probably somebody that you actually hated because I know for me and I know for Matt mostly, um, Bret Hart was a huge part of our childhood and probably our favorite wrestler growing up. And, you know, this was Bret's, one of Bret's biggest rivals. So for me watching this documentary, it was awesome to see that how great of a guy Yoko was in real life and how admired and loved he was by his peers and his, his, uh, his coworkers and his, especially his family. Um, so, I found I found like the, the first part of this documentary about his life and everything like that, you know, very interesting. Um, it's cool that he was uncle. To, is he that he's an uncle to the Usos, cousin of Roman? You know, the Anoa'i the Anoa'i family. It, it runs deep in, in rich wrestling history. Often Sika, you know, the uh, the Wild Samoans. They are the original. You know, they are the godfathers of this family. Um, Rikishi. Usos, like I said, Roman, uh, the list goes on and on. Umaga. The Rock, right? I think The Rock too. Yeah, The Rock is you know, uh, you know, is part a part of this uh, family. Um, the list goes on and not on part and of the on. Family. He's not part of the family. He's <laughs> he's he, he's uh. Yeah, it's like some type of lineage. Uh, no, 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 no. I said I said I'm part of the family. I said it's so uh, old. Yeah. I could all be part of the family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, his grandfather, uh, P- the High Chief Peter Maivia, he uh, he's got those Samoan roots. Mm-hmm. So, uh, listen, the, you know the Samoans—they run deep in wrestling, and they're oh, very yeah. lo- and they're very very loyal to Vince McMahon. Very loyal. Yeah, which is pretty um, cool. So pretty cool. Y- Yoko, he he didn't graduate high school. And his parents went to send him to train with Alpha and Sika. And that's where he learned, you know, his respect of the ring and he paid his dues. And let me tell you something. I'm a big boy myself and I can, you know, I can move for my size. But let me tell you something. Watching this guy when he was young, you know, and let me tell you, if he stayed 380, 400, 420 pounds, he'd still be wrestling today. Wow. He would still be wrestling today. I've never – and everyone said this. The way he moved in the ring, he moved like somebody who was 280 pounds. And he was, Yeah, he was definitely athletic even – I mean like like even towards his later end of the career. Yeah. Seeing him run and hit the ropes, I was like, damn. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Adam. Well, I was just going to say at the, at the very opening of the documentary with where they talk about his rise to the top, I would encourage everybody to look at his – indie run at Southern professional wrestling, because then he was exactly as you were saying, Jared, maybe 300, maybe pushing 350. Yeah. Maximus. Coquina Maximus. That's right. Is his first uh, gimmick. And he was so dominant, but he, and you could really see that athleticism shine because he wasn't yet, you know, Yokozuna weight. So, yeah. Right. And you know, it's funny you say that Adam, it's his whole, the whole sumo wrestler persona, almost like in your mind makes you perceive bigger than what he maybe was. And I'm going to get to how they really hit a home run with that, you know, with that gimmick. But 
he came into WWE as Coquina Maximus, and they tried all different versions, you know, Giant Coquina, Coquina Wild Samoan, and you know how WWE is. They try all these different names. They put you in dark matches, non-televised matches, whatever it may be. And then um, Sergeant Slaughter actually came up with the sumo wrestler uh, gimmick for him, and they decided to pair him with Mr. Fuji, and the word Yokozuna actually means grand champion, so that's how they came up with Yokozuna. So once they saw him, you know, in that gimmick, they knew right away they what, what they had. Um, and then obviously he went on a monster run to start his career, and you know, you know, demolishing opponents. And he finally got his big moment at the 93 Rumble. He oh, yeah. he, he, he won by Macho Man attempting to pin him. And he <laughs> tossed Macho Man over the ropes, which was incredible. Yeah, yeah. And Can we break. just take I, a I, moment I, to reflect yeah. on why the hell he would decide to try to pin somebody during a <laughs> yeah. Rumble match? I, I never – like I think I was like five years – yeah, I was like five, six years old. I was like six years old when that Rumble happened and I still always – like I have the video, like the VHS still and uh, I just – I always sat there too even at six years old. I said, what the hell is Macho Man doing? Fucking weird. Yeah, drugs are, drugs are a crazy thing. <laughs> so So – after I watched his doc, I went back and watched the 93 Rumble, and I thought the same thing, like, what the hell is he doing? But anyway, um, then he went on to, you know, main event WrestleMania 9 outdoors at Caesar Palace uh, Stadium in Vegas. And, man, think, put yourself in his shoes here. You're literally the champion for, like, two minutes. Yeah. And you don't even, you don't even win cleanly against Brett. And first off, in that match against Brett, Brett comes on and he's, he's explaining how Yoko, you know, skipped the middle of the match. He went from the beginning right to the end, which I assume, <laughs> which I assume he was saving some energy for, you know, part oh, yeah. two, part <laughs> two, right? And so he, he, you know, he wins the belt from Brett after uh, Fuji throws powder in Brett's eyes. And mm-hmm. then Hogan runs down. And I'll tell you – as much as I like Hulk, it makes you like rewatching that, and it makes you like this guy is like so egotistical and selfish a little bit, and like yeah, he really he, like he was in like zero storylines at that time. I think like yeah, yeah, he was about to shoot a movie or something. He didn't even know what he was going to be doing. Doesn't it almost feel Jared kind of like like uh, history repeating itself with with how they've kept booking WWE's kept booking Goldberg. It's like they keep bringing in, you know, r- rather than, than letting the natural progression of a company or of, you know, prime talent to make their way, you bring back this establishment talent and no, and just you don't get that progression. You're right. And I think Brett kind of touched on that without saying that and or reference that. Um, yeah, it just seems to me that like. Hulk was kind of stale at that point, and they had great things going with Brett, Yoko, and then, like Adam said, they bring Goldberg or Hogan back. Like, listen, and I know, listen, Goldberg and Hogan aren't even on the same, you know, stratosphere, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> you know, Hogan's, you know, a pioneer in wrestling. Yeah. Uh, he, he made wrestling, you know, you know, somewhat what it is today. But, man, 
to be a young kid, you know, your first, you know, championship after winning the Rumble and winning at Mania, and then you all of a sudden, like Roman Reigns said in the documentary, like the air was like let out of the building, and it, you know, it was it went from great to horrible, and then yeah. they find, and then they finally uh, at King of the Ring later on in the year, they finally, uh, you know, strapped up Yoko, and he was he was a champion for two hundred eighty consecutive days. And that's the dominant reign that we all remember. And he wound up losing the title. He wound up, you know, what's funny. Think about this. And I just thought about this about an hour ago. He wound up at both of his WrestleManias fighting two matches. Hmm. Yep. You know, so he had to fight Luger and Bret Hart because their feet supposedly touched the floor at the same time in the Rumble. Oh, yeah, so, he, so he beat Lex Luger first and then lost to Bret Hart in the in the uh, main event of WrestleMania 10 at the garden. And he was just, after that, he really was never the same wrestler. He, you know, got real big. Then they had to put him in a tag team with Owen Hart. And then the end, the end was very near for him after he lost the, you know, the title, you know, it was two, three years that he, you know, really blew up, got near 700 pounds and, they could he couldn't pass a, a physical, and they had to weigh him at like loading docks. It's, it's, yeah, you know, it really his career was very short, and you know, just thinking back on it, just if he stayed, you know, three three fifty, even four hundred, the guy would still be wrestling today or just finishing up, and he would have been a champion six, seven, eight times over. I mean, he was one of the best heels uh, in, in wrestling history. Yeah, I, I need to uh, bounce off of you for that because, like, at that time, you know, Undertaker was around and, and there was other guys that, like, could put fear in, like, little children's, like, you know, minds. And, and Yokozuna did it for me, man. He, yeah, he was somebody man. who, who like, I feared when he was on the TV. Like, and I you hated him. You hated yeah, him. I fucking hated him. Yeah, exactly. And let me tell you something. I think, like, for Matt and myself, and I'm sure Adam, too, like, Yoko was, like, one of the first guys that, like, I really hated. Like, that bonsai he used to scream yeah. into the camera. And he was yeah. just – it Fucking was just sitting on the at the end. I'm like, who could kick out of that fucking and think, picture? Think, His think ass about, is fucking nine miles wide. Guys, think about this, too. And the documentary, I think, really reflects this in terms of the progression of the company. So much changed from when he came in 92, 93 to, you know, his passing in 2000. But even just – if you take, let's say, the period of 92, 93 to 90, even 97 as you move into the Attitude Era, when you see him coming into the ring as Coquina Maximus or, or just early days of Yokozuna and you see – they show it in the documentary, the reaction of the, you know, the young fans – the yeah. company was a different sure company. It it's it's different in '93 than it is in '97. So that's another interesting th- thing to consider. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely. I mean, and I thought it was amazing when I first found out that he wasn't like Japanese. I was like, "What the fuck?" Oh yeah, I definitely thought he was Japanese. Yeah, um, uh, me too. Me too. But uh, I'm gonna say this real quick, and it's gonna, it'll probably sound bad, but I don't really give a shit. Um, <laughs> WWE has success when they go like. USA versus Russia, or USA, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, versus Iran, or yeah, you know, yeah, they did Slaughter, Iron Sheik, yeah, Cena, Cena, Rusev, or you know, whatever it is, and yeah. Yoko, Brett, you know, even though Brett was Canadian or whatever, <laughs> it's just they they have success when they go that route. And I know you probably it's an iffy subject now, but they do. No. And, 
let me tell you something. Like I said before, you have to watch this documentary just to see the other side of Yoko that we probably didn't realize of how good of a human he is and how, you know, everyone loved him because honestly, before this documentary, you mentioned Yokozuna. I still hated him just based on my childhood. And and, like it it was just, you know, know it won me over guys. And I encourage everybody when you're watching the documentary to pay special (laughs) attention to this segment. Taker, Uh when Taker was talking about his relationship with Yokozuna, that almost had me in tears. Yeah, you're Uh, right. You're right, Adam. And I noticed through some of these documentaries when he talks about certain people, uh, he has only respect for certain guys. And you, you can tell who are his, his close ones and, and, and who were just like simple acquaintances, I guess. Kind of like an Andre the Giant situation. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was an amazing uh, rundown, Jared. Uh, it seems like uh, – you know, so far we have two amazing picks of the week, in my opinion, with uh, Valhalla Club last week, and now you got Yokozuna's uh, documentary here. There's no shortage of wrestling entertainment, and I think that's also just another great thing we need to just pinpoint out there is that when we were all growing up, the only wrestling we were able to watch was either whatever we had on VHS uh, on a constant replay or whatever we could catch on TV. Uh, I know I used to like – my parents gave me a TV in my room, I think, when I was, like, six. And then that's when I started, like, toweling, like, my door, like, late at night when they put me to sleep. I used to put, like, a towel under the door so they wouldn't see the light shining through. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, watching wrestling, like, mad low and, like, you know. But, uh, you know, like, now you could just go on YouTube. Like, you know, just like last week we were talking about the explosion matches and just, you know, you could go on instantly and just see it, you know. And, you know, uh, Matt, I'm really looking forward to because you're up next on Pick of the Week, so maybe something from your early days there. Uh, we'll put the towel over the door and uh, or through the door and uh, and and uh, maybe get get your take on some early stuff. Yeah, man, I'm definitely going to pick something out that I feel like is is, is definitely going to be interesting. I, I you both set the bar very high, so now I need to uh, continue that trend. But uh, you know, Jared, very 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 good thorough um, review here. I, I, you know, like the main thing is here, we're not, we're not trying to divulge too much of the documentary out to you because then there would be no point of watching right. it. The whole point of this series is, is to, you know, kind of have some back and forth talk about, you know, the series that one of the marks had watched and it's trying to get you guys to go out there to also watch it as well. And then interact with us through our social media and through, uh, our, our, our email and, uh, have these conversations with us because we'll be more than happy to have them. Remember, you can hit us up on Twitter at the questionin11. That's the Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-I-N-11. And you can email us at thequestioningmarks at gmail.com. Uh, Jared, thank you very much, man. No problem, guys. And uh, one one final thing I wanted just to add in, and I'm sure Adam, you know, you know, saw this too. When Yoko died, uh Often Sika put together a memorial uh, promotion, like a one-night thing in Allentown, Pennsylvania, WXW Wrestling. And Vince actually allowed Taker, Kane, Rikishi, and I'm sure a couple others to actually go to Allentown, Pennsylvania for this, you know, Yokozuna Memorial Show. So I thought that was like telling to how good of a guy Yoko was and how much Vince loved him. 
couldn't, cool. couldn't have ended it any better with that doc, uh, um, Jared. And I got to say another moment there where I almost cried because for me, it's always about historical significance and the historical context. And I'm thinking back to, you know, this is just, we're talking about two months after 9-11 too, and all of what that entailed for WWE uh, or WWF at the time. Um, so yeah, it's just, just uh, crazy to think that's, you know, almost 20 years ago. Um yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, time time is definitely passing us. And uh, with that being said, I think we are out of time. But uh, we are going to be coming back to you on Sunday with our reviews of AEW, with our reviews of uh, Raw and SmackDown, you know, Raw's show last night, SmackDown's this week, and any other indie uh, news, especially coming from uh, New Japan and Ring of Honor. So with that being said, questioning marks out there. We hope that you mark out all week long like we do, and we'll see you guys on Sunday. Peace out, guys. See you Sunday. Looking forward to it.